0: All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, online and in person. Um, it's so good to be with each of you and to be able to connect with you this way. Uh, before I begin this morning, I uh, just wanted to share a uh, couple thoughts. Um, you know, our whole year we have been having awareness as a theme. And awareness for me is just really... Uh, being aware of what's going on inside of you being aware of god and his word and what he believes about you his perspective and all that kind of comes together in these sacred holy moments and so i've encouraged you uh in your homes in your cars in a second or a minute that you've had a free time to find a quiet space to just reflect to be aware of what's going on inside of you and outside of you sometimes when i talk about that i almost feel like it sounds negative that I want you to be aware of, like, pain, or, and I surely do, but it's not just those things that we're aware of. I've practiced this practiced this for 20 years in my following Jesus, and uh, when you sit in awareness, sometimes you can uh, experience God's goodness and really be able to say, man, this is amazing. And so I want to share with you, uh, for me, as these last couple days, as I've been sitting in my time of reflection, and awareness, and quiet time before Jesus, uh, something positive that I've just been aware of. Uh, It was a couple days ago, and I was just sitting there thinking about this past year and a half and we've all had a difficult year and so much uh, Of the negative comes up because it's just hard and so those things happen, but uh, there's just kind of a cool thing where after some time uh, You're able to really reflect on some time and you realize some pretty awesome things too and I think for me one of the things I wanted to just bring up to hopefully make you think about some of those in your life too is I just realized, like, I'm gonna give myself a pat on the back after this past year and a half. <laughs> Don't you? Mm-hmm. If you feel bad about yourself or something, I still <clears> wonder <throat> if you take a moment to think about this. Just, you know what you've been through this past year and a half? Uh, in none of our lives has there, has there been a worldwide pandemic. Uh, and then to add on to that, the challenges of not being able to be with people, uh, schools being closed. Um, for those of you that, God's sake, the pain of that—I mean, you know, for me, I just had some time to look back. and I'm like, thank you, God, for your help over this past year and a half. Mm-hmm. Like, thank you, God, uh, having young kids, trying to help uh, young kids through a pandemic. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to help myself, <laughs> I'm trying to help these kids, um, and just thinking through the hard things and just. I just pat myself on the back. I just want to just give praise to God and how much He's helped. Uh, I'm going to look to you and say, you know, by the grace of God, you have endured to today. It may not be like you like it. It may not be pretty. You may not feel great today. (laughs) You may wish some things didn't happen. But I want to tell you that endurance is something that we want to praise God for. Uh, It's a uh, being faithful is a fruit of the spirit. And uh, being faithful is in the nature of God. And so I want to affirm to you in your faithfulness, you know, that you've endured. And this is what God helps us to do. And so being aware, again, of this theme this whole year, I I want you to be aware of those things too. It's not just the hard things in your life. Definitely don't deny those and gloss over those, you know, my, my approach on that. But I want you to be aware of how much God has helped you how much he's helped you to endure, and it is by the grace of God. We have all felt powerless at one or a million times over this past year and a half, haven't you? But today, we can look back and say that God had empowered us to endure. So I just wanna pray and give thanks for that, if you'll join me in that, and maybe if you're thinking of something over this past year and a half, if you can join me in praising God for and giving thanks to him. God, today I thank you in my own life uh, the goodness that I've seen from you and how you've provided so much grace to me as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, as a follower, as your child. Thank you, God. Thank you for uh, helping me to endure this past year and face challenges that I've never felt before, to face things I've never faced before. God, thank you. And across our church community today, for those that are listening right now, later, or right now, in their homes, those that are president, church this morning, Lord, we just lift up thanks to you for whatever it is that we're thinking about, helping us through financial difficulties, helping us through maybe having COVID and physical difficulties, helping us through, uh, you know, socially distancing and not being with people and feeling isolated. Lord, you've had us to called us to endure, and you've enabled us to endure by your grace. And so today, we just say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just pause for a moment and say thank you, Lord. We oftentimes, God, I know we we lift up all kinds of prayer requests to you about things we want. But I recognize, Lord, over this past year and a half, you really have given us what we've needed. And we thank you, God, for that. And we look forward with hope for your help and grace in the future as well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church, for joining me. And thank you, God. I, I just, again, encourage you to... Uh, take time throughout your week. Maybe you can't do it every day. Maybe you don't have that kind of a schedule. Uh, maybe it's once a week um, where you can just sit with God and be aware of these things. And you know, when I felt some that, was aware of that's God's grace and giving me some endurance over this past year, it just felt good to realize, man, God is, God's got his hand. You know, and I, I want to remind you also that, you know, when your boat is rocked, remember who holds the sea that the boat floats on and that's our God, you know? So we're going to continue our study in Peter today. Uh, First Peter, we're going to look at uh, chapter one, verses 13 through two, chapter two and verse three. If you missed last week's sermon, uh, go back and listen to it online. It's on the podcast, also on our YouTube uh, channel. Uh, Really, really good to think about hope, that hope that doesn't come from anything in this world. And so Peter is continuing this whole uh, letter to a scattered church. Uh, a church that's facing trials and temptations, uh, a world that is, you could argue, much worse than ours. Um, But I also kind of think think of it like, can it be much worse? People are people, right? This is their sin in our world, evil in everybody's world, past, present, and future. Uh, Their basic problem that Peter is trying to address as an apostle, as one of Jesus' disciples, uh, is to live for God in the midst of a society that is so ignorant of the true God. Anybody else feel that way? Uh, we're trying to live in this society that is anti-God or anti-His gospel or His way. Uh, Paul, uh, Peter's purpose here is to help these early believers see their temporary sufferings. I like saying that. It's a good reminder. Temporary sufferings, okay? In the full light of the coming eternal glory. But before I go through uh, this passage again, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through chapter 2 and verse 3. I want to just kind of bring your attention and maybe awareness, I use that word, to things that are going on around us. Uh, When you look at the news of our nation, we really need hope, don't we? Mm -hmm. I read the news like you do, and I'm just like, the murders and evil and things happening in our nation, things happening in other countries too, if you read this stuff, I mean, it is just unbelievable things that are going on in our world. And you could argue these things have always been happening, but because of news media and this whole global world, we're all connected instantaneously. Maybe we hear more about it, but I don't know. Uh, I think about the racism, I think about hate, I think about this political climate in our nation, how awful it is. And even in Portland, to consider what's going on in our own city, uh, here's a stat from 2020, that in 2020, uh, there were 890 shootings in Portland. Uh, That's more than double the previous year. In 2019, there were 393 shootings. Okay, so 2019, 393. 2020, 890 shootings. And currently, this is from May, and currently we are on track to break that record. I read this and I'm discouraged. I don't know about you. I read this and I'm discouraged. I read this and I feel a little fear for my own kids and the world that they're being raised in. And I think about when I was, my oldest is seven, I think about when I was seven and this world is very, very different, uh, you know? And how much it's changed in, in, in seemingly a short amount of time and how it could be more, even more awful uh, when my kids are adults, you know? And I wanna tell you today, that's why this uh, message of 1 Peter is so important to you, church. And I kinda say this every week, I know, or every series we do, that we could basically preach this every single week and be awesome, right? Like one chapter. Uh, I want to tell you, church, it's really hard to find any hope in this world. You won't find it when you go through CNN. Uh, you just won't find it when you're browsing Google News. That's my news sources, I guess. Uh, you're not going to find hope there. You know. Uh, and I think these difficult things that we're seeing and experiencing, even in our own local town in Portland, should just cause us to pause for a second and ask the question, how will we live? How will you and I, as faithful followers of Christ, how will we live in an evil world? I ask the question, man, is it safe for me to take my kids downtown like I normally do? We love going downtown, eating, doing stuff, whatever, uh, pre-pandemic, you know? I'm like, is this safe anymore? I don't even know, you know? How will we live in this world and how can we move forward? And yes, this is an ancient faith that we follow, okay? But it is a faith that still matters today. And my job as your pastor is to remind you that it still matters today. <laughs> and as a community, to remind each other, as your family, to remind your family that this still matters today. It's difficult, I know, but these reminders are helpful uh, so that we can live out a faith that actually matters today. I believe in this passage we're looking at, the key question isn't uh, why or what you will live for, but who you will live for. And really through First Peter, you're gonna see that. Um, this was the key question, I believe. Who will you live for? This is the key question that changed everything for Peter, and I believe it changed everything for the disciples and the early church, especially in the book of Acts, as you read it. They go through all kinds of trials and difficult things, and yet they endure, and you and I are the product and the fruit of their endurance. Think of it that way. What if they gave up the early church? They didn't give up somehow. They didn't give up in persecution. They didn't give up in hard times. They did not give up in loving who they can't see. They didn't give up, and we're here today. And so you and I can endure as they did as well. Uh, So I'm going to do something again like I did last week. I don't do this every week or every sermon series, but I'm going to do it through this one. And I just want to go verse by verse through each one of these verses because really a couple of verses together maybe. They're just kind of packed, you know, and I kind of want to unpack some of those things and kind of bring it all together in the end. I also want to do this for you as a model that you can do this in your own Bible study. I started doing this when I was 15. Uh, I was being discipled and my youth pastor told me this is how you study scripture. And this is before the internet. So I didn't get to go find out, look up words or anything, These things in verses. So I just started going verse by verse, reading, praying, asking God, trying to understand it, asking questions, right? Had a prayer journal. I had these still in my office and I still do that to this day. Uh, that you could go verse by verse through scripture. See how God wants to speak to you. You don't need to hear my words. You don't have to take everything I say as true either, you know? Uh, you can do this for yourself and God will lead you in that. Now, if you want some more resources, I absolutely can guide you in that as well, okay? There's a lot of great resources out there. So uh, let's first read together the whole passage starting in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 13, and then um, we'll go through verse by verse here. Uh, therefore prepare your minds, and I'm reading for the NIV, prepare your, therefore prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Verse 15, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it's written, Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. Verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen for the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so that your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have been you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply, from the heart. For you have been born again, not a perishable seed. But of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Chapter two now verse one, therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, can I just read that about five times today and let that be? So good, right? I'm reading these words in my own study and I'm like, how in the world do you do this? In this world that we're in, how do you do this? Not just in the world that we're in, how do you do this with the life that you've had? How do I do this with the life that I've had? Things from the past, the difficulties, the challenges, how do we do this? and Again, like I said last week I think there's some there's some kind of secret here there's kind of you know, some kind of you know insight here and that the reason why that the early church was able to endure is because they put their hope in a someone and a something they put their hope in a some in a someone that was going to happen that uh, was going to take care of everything uh, than just looking to this earth so it was okay that Rome uh, the Roman emperors persecuted them. It was okay that they were going to lose, lose their lives. And we know that Peter lost his life. He was persecuted, right? He was martyred. Uh, and why? Because he put his hope in something that this world couldn't take away. Okay, so let's go through these verses. And, um, and again, I hope you do this in your own personal study as well. And just ponder maybe God's speaking something to you today. Uh, in verse 13, uh, Peter writes, being, uh, having your mind prepared and alert, fully sober. Uh, The concept here is, the word prepare there is get ready to do work. Like girding up your, uh, your tunic or your cloth to be able to do work. Isn't that interesting? That this is a mental battle and it takes some intention. It is hard work to hope in someone you can't see. It's really hard work to be intentional up here with the evil that you see in this world. It's really, really hard. You got to prepare to get ready to do work when your boat is being rocked to still trust that he holds the sea. This is hard. Haven't you experienced the hardness of the, how difficulty of the difficulty of this this past year and a half? And in other parts of your life as well. Uh, and he says, listen, You've got to prepare your mind for this. You've got to be alert. Um, And here's why. This world will take you away from how much your faith actually matters. Let me say that again. This world, uh, the convenience, the system, the economy, the values, what they put priority on, uh, the culture, it'll take you away from putting ultimate priority and putting all your eggs in this basket in Jesus. And you know that to be true. How hard is it to be faithful to God? Whether you were a student in school, whether uh, you were in a workplace that you had a really hard time with not to kind of go along with that culture, uh, you know, even in your family, maybe uh, trying to live a certain way as God leads you and uh, follow scripture and people in your family are not doing that. It is so difficult, but Peter charges us to get your mind ready. And I want to tell you that today, church, get your mind ready. Get ready to go to work. This is work. For us to endure this next year, the next years, the next 10 years for us to endure, it's going to take work up here to put our hope intentionally on Jesus. Okay. Uh, I also like the idea of being sober There is The ser- word sober we often use in terms of not being intoxicated. And I love that. Like, can we live in a way in which our minds are unintoxicated heavily or overly influenced by anything else besides God? Good. Verse fourteen: As obedient children, don't conform uh, to the evil desires you had when you lived in ingor- ignorance. But in verse fifteen and sixteen, but just as he was called you as holy, be holy in all you do. First one: Be holy because I am holy. This is an Old Testament quote, an Old Testament principle that has New Testament application. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, when God gathered the children of Israel, when He gathered the people, okay, He started giving them laws, physical things. Don't touch this. Touch this, you know, be in this people. Okay, don't do it this way, do it this way. You can eat this, don't eat this, right? There are all these thousands of laws that sometimes we misunderstand. There's a principle behind every one of those laws. And the biggest principle was that it was at that time, uh, the way that others would know that they follow God, that they follow Yahweh, the Lord, would be in their behaviors. So their behaviors their customs, their cultures, their outward things showed the world that they were living different than everybody else. And because they lived different than everyone else, like, oh, why are you living so different? We're living so different because Yahweh told us to live different. So it was a way of witness. It was a way of showing, okay, this is different than how everybody else lives, okay? There wasn't something magical about these certain things. You can still eat pork and bacon today, okay? You can eat your bacon. The point was in the Old Testament laws in that time was God was giving the people a way to be different than the people around them and be a witness to this different God, okay? It wasn't set to, it wasn't to be, uh, gain God's favor or any of those things. The word holy, it's hard to define what the word holy is, you know, you think, what is holy? Is it like, God, what is it? Holy uh, uh, means set apart Uh, and what that means is you're... uh, your thing in the Old Testament was set apart for God's purposes and uses. It was uh, holy and most separate than anything else because it was separate to God. So think about God being holy. Well, what does that mean? Well, he's the most separate. He's the most separate, the most high, the most different than anybody else. He's set apart. Okay. So um, what this... Uh, Applies in the New Testament for our lives is how do we be holy? Does that mean I can't eat this or that or can I not look at this or do that? Can I not go here? Well, what it means is a couple things. First of all is we should consider our behavior should be a reflection of our God. But really our behavior should also be a reflection of the gospel. So do I live my life arranged around the gospel, around the death and resurrection of Jesus? Do I conduct my way of life, my choices and decisions based on that or culture, on what feels good, these evil desires, pleasure, things that get, make me feel good, things that let me, make me get ahead, or what the government tells us to do, um, what our family origin tells us to do. Here's the thing. No, those things ultimately aren't God and what we do. However, people can't see your heart. They can't see your actions. And when they do see your actions, that is loving and Christ-centered, it is a way of witness, okay? Being holy, I think, has changed in church culture for many years. And You know, when the Bible college I went to my first year there, you couldn't wear shorts until after 2 p.m. It's like the weirdest thing ever. What is this This not in the scripture? You know, you had all these rules of like looking nice and these different things. And, you know, you get caught up in these things, not recognizing that ultimately, if we just ask the question, is this like Jesus? What is the gospel of grace? How could I live differently? How could I do things differently? And Jesus says some of these things, loving your enemies and not paying back what they've done to you and giving more than they asked for. This is a way and the, really the way of love, okay? Verse 17, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Uh, I ask myself sometimes like, what really is the fear of God? Like, should I be scared to death of God, okay? Uh, The idea there is that uh, when we fear God, there is a response there in any fear We know uh, there is a response in our bodies. There's a response in our minds. We want to fight. We want to defend Maybe we freeze or we run Uh, when we are scared we have a response and uh, I'll say it this way the fear of God ultimately is when we actually fear who we really should be scared and the fear of God is when he is the source of a behavior change. God becomes the cause for a reaction, not something else. In Peter's life, he's not more scared of these people that are about to kill him than he is of God. God becomes the ultimate cause for reaction and behaviors in his life. Uh, living out as your time here as foreigners, uh, listen, it's really hard, you know, you're born into a family, I'm uh, born into an Indian family, you're, you know, you're citizen of this country, you're, you know, you live in this area, right, we, we have all these labels that are put on us, and sometimes you and I, we forget that we're here just temporarily, this isn't home, okay, the word there, sojourners, meaning this is a, uh, someone who temporarily resides in a place, I know you lived in that home for a long time and made it look nice, I know that You've saved all this money and all these different things. You've been here a while. But this is just, Temperature's kind of remind you today like Peter has. This isn't your home. You may have made it comfortable like your home, but it's not your home. You may have spent a lot of money to make your life comfortable and convenient, but it's not your home. You may have invested a lot to get get what you want to get out of this life, but it's not your home. You're just here for a little bit. And so what Peter is trying to say is you're just here for a little bit. So let them take your life if that's what it means. You're just here for a little bit so they can take your stuff. You don't have to deny Jesus. It's okay when the boat is rocked. You don't have to be comfortable all the time or convenient. It's okay. You're just in the boat for a little while. I know it's decades. I get it. But but Peter's trying to make the argument here that ultimately it doesn't actually matter as much because we live a different way because we ultimately fear God who will be with us forever. Uh, verse 18, for you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 here, for you know that it was not with perishable things uh, such as silver or gold that you redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world. He was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him and so your faith and hope are in God. This is, again, a reminder, church, that there is another world than the one you see. And the one that you do see, you know, it's going to end, okay? Uh, It may be some other practice you need to figure out to remind yourself that the gospel matters, that this is not done, that he's at work, that it's not just all the evil in the world and the news that you read like I do. This is a way to encourage yourself, to remind yourself that there's a day ahead when this all will end and to remind yourself that the gospel still matters today and that it's by the grace of Jesus you are saved today and you will be saved. Uh, verse 22 through 25, I'm gonna skip down to uh, verse 24, for all the people are like grass, all their, glory, all their glory is like the flowers of the field, the grass withers and the flowers fall. How often do you feel this small in the presence of power. Your boss, positional power, monetary power, right? People that are rich in our country are the ones that have power, right? The economy of the world is based on money, right? Uh, When you think about uh, senators or congressmen or elected officials, judges, we think all these people have the power and Peter's trying to remind us, no, no. This is an Old Testament quote, but just like grass, how little they are in the backdrop of God. So remember church today, there is a bigger God, a God that's not like a piece of grass, a God whose glory is greater than you can imagine. There is a bigger God than all these powerful people that we seemingly have to submit to today. Peter also writes here that, We should love each other deeply. Love is the way that we can be holy, church. Uh, I believe that our connectedness to God should change how we connect to others. Chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 there, uh, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Uh, Like newborn babies crave spiritual, pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Uh, it doesn't really matter what you could gain on this earth okay because it's all going away but this is a really important part uh, verse three the taste of the lord is good uh, it's hard sometimes when we're suffering or going through hard things that we think the thing that we don't have would it would actually be better right that we just want that i want to remind you today and wherever you're at in your journey of following jesus no matter what's going on in your life right now i want to remind you today and i don't you to dismissing of those painful things today, but I want to remind you today that you already have the best. You've tasted the Lord. You know His love. You've experienced relationship with Him. And this God is good. He's kind. And there is no monetary thing in this world. There's no other person in this world. There's no other situation in this world. There's no other country in this world that can give you something better than you already have. I mean, you say that like every day. You may need to put that on a note card and put it in your Bible or put it in your wallet or put it on your dashboard when you're driving. You already have the best. You've tasted the Lord and because he's so good, I'm not going to have to chase all those other things. My ambition turns from getting all these things from this world that I think could make me happy and that seemingly are good or sold to me that are good. Uh, But I have the best already. I have a God who made me and he's so good and kind to me forever. This is a reminder, church, that there is nothing that you've lost in this past year and a half of this worldwide pandemic that if you had had, it would have been better than God. I am going to say that again at verse 3. Now that you have tasted the Lord is good, you can walk away from evil. You can walk away from lying to get ahead. You can walk away from wearing a mask, worried about what other people think of you. You can walk away from all those things. You can walk away from being so fearful of what people are going to think of, what, of what's going on in your life. You can walk away on putting all those things around you so that people like you. You can walk away from all that because even if you had all those things, it's not as good as, as, as knowing the Lord and having his love in your life. Last week, I gave you three questions, reflective questions to think about as you uh, read through 1 Peter. Here's three more questions from this passage I I would love for you to consider. As I read through these these verses, I just think uh, about just this contrast of the way the world is and how it influences us and the way God asks us to live our lives, Uh, the work of trying to have our mind prepared. Uh, Here's the first question I want to give you this morning that you would consider. Uh, what is intoxicating, I'll use that word. What is intoxicating my mind from seeing God's perspective? What's intoxicating? What's influencing my mind so much that I cannot see God's perspective, right? What is it? What has caused me to want this thing so bad that it's not from God? What, what is it? What is intoxicating my mind? Is it my culture that I was raised in? Is it some physical thing? Is it TV and movies? I don't know. Is it social media? I know. Is it news? Maybe need a break from news. What is intoxicating my mind from seeing God's perspective? Why do I believe so much in the system of this world? What is intoxicating me? From that question, you'll begin to understand what you need to surrender. Okay. Secondly, how have I made my home? this in this world. What I mean by that is, or I could say it this way, how have I made this world my own? How have I made it my home? Mm-hmm. This is a subjective question that you gotta hear from God on. I can't give you a list. I'm not gonna tell you to dump your retirement, okay? I'm not gonna tell you to sell your home and live on the street. This is a question between you and God. This is a man, it's just a sacred holy moment. How have you made this world your home? Uh, in every kind of season of my life, I feel like I've kind of learned some of these things and it's been different. Um, I can remember having to do, uh, God challenged me to be generous with money. And That was a way of me making sure that things in this world, they're not my home. Um, w- another way that I've done that is how can I share what I have? I going to be careful that I don't hold so tightly. that This, is, this, my, this whole world is, uh, this is it. This is mine. I got to keep it here. Be generous with it. How? Have I made this world my home? Um, what have you put together in your life, and maybe even what are you ambitious for so that you have comfort and convenience here? I don't want you to be foolish. I'm not telling you to be foolish, but I want you to follow Jesus. Peter looked pretty foolish, didn't he? But he followed Jesus. This world was not Peter's home. He could lay down his very life. Can you imagine before he laid down his life the things he had to lay down? Embarrassment. I mean, he was. He, would, he denied Jesus uh, just for some few words. They asked him, hey, for his reputation, you know, that he, he, Peter denied Jesus. And then later he's giving down his, laying down his life. He no longer fears man anymore. Isn't that powerful? God has us on that journey. What right now uh, is in your life? How have you made this world your home and instead of looking to a better home one day? Question three. What desire? This is a hard one. What desire can I surrender in light of God's goodness? What desire can I surrender in light of God's goodness? What I mean by that is we pursue what we desire. We just do. Uh, We desire comfort. We're going to pursue that. Uh, We desire safety. You're going to pursue that. We desire security. We're going to pursue that. We desire to be liked, so we're going to pursue that. Uh, we desire XYZ that thinks what we think is going to satisfy us. What desire right now can you surrender in light of God's goodness? There's nothing better in this earth or that you can get from this earth than you already have a kind, loving father. And that's what we have. What desire can I surrender in light of God's goodness? We know from Peter's life, he surrendered his life. Uh, We know from the other apostles that they surrendered safety. Uh, They surrendered a 401k, they definitely did. Uh, They surrendered having the joy of this world. They surrendered the popularity and the affirmation of this world. Uh, They surrendered security, they were on the run, they had to hide sometimes. Uh, They were publicly embarrassed. When I think about Jesus on the cross, I think about all that he surrendered. He surrendered all that security. He surrendered affirmation. He surrendered uh, being being safe, right? He surrendered it all knowing that this was the will of God. And I wanna challenge you, church, and as the people of God, what desire can you surrender today in light of God's goodness? What are you pursuing? What are you after? I'm gonna close by saying this last thing, okay? It's really hard to change desire, okay? I don't know that you can just change desire. It's there. It's what it is. Uh, But you can change some behaviors. You can change some things around you that desire, then be a little bit different. And I want to tell you today, and this is the last thing I am going to tell you, is that if you hope in God, it'll change what you pursue. If you hope in God, it'll change what you pursue. If your hope is in another world, if your hope is in someone you can't see in our God, then it's going to change what you pursue. And I want to pray that over you today, church, that your hope wouldn't be in a city that doesn't have any shootings. That your hope wouldn't be in a government that can finally get along and figure these things out. That your hope wouldn't be in a vaccination, you know, against a worldwide virus that your hope wouldn't be in a 401K, that your hope wouldn't be in your kids growing up and being happy and healthy and all those things. I don't want those things, I get it. But my hope ultimately isn't in those things. My hope is that God holds the whole sea. And as I temporarily go through on this, this world, on this boat, just for a little while, and my hope is, this is what I'm banking on. Scripture teaches this, Peter's saying this. What I, my hope is, then this one that I cannot see, he's going to save us. In the end, he will be just to you and me. In the end, he will take care of us. And in the end, we're going to be right about our hope. And so today, church, I'm going to remind you, if you hope in God, it's going to change what you pursue, pursue. Let me pray for you today. Jesus, thank you for your grace as we try to live in this world, recognizing that we're foreigners, that we live according to you and not according to this world. Help us with the challenges of just being intoxicated, being influenced by this world, whether it's the love of money or the uh, centrality of positional power in our country, those who have the bigger guns wins, or whoever has the, the title to tell us what to do, they seem to be winning. No, Lord, not us. We follow you. And as our boat has been rocked and it's going to continue to be rocked, as our faith has tried to be shaken, Lord, let us put our hope in you. And I pray right now, this is hard, but I pray right now that you'll convict our body of what we need to surrender that we've been pursuing. What desire is it, Lord, today that you may lay upon our hearts that we would surrender satisfaction in money, or satisfaction in pleasure, or satisfaction in being liked by somebody, or satisfaction even in peace in our relationships. We would avoid conflict so much that we just want peace, but you're our peace, Father, you're our peace. And so today as a community, Father, we just want to commit to you, to hope in you, and may what we pursue change. And I pray today that we would continue to endure putting our faith in you in the midst of an evil world. We trust you today that Lord, you will save us. And this world we live in is just temporary sufferings.